Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. The Bible talks to us a lot about the importance of being obedient. Listen as Pastor Bill McGinnis teaches us about this life-changing principle in our new series called Family Matters. I'm not sure if you've heard this statement before. It's tucked away in the Old Testament in a book called 1 Samuel, halfway through 1 Samuel chapter 15. Uh, You'll see this statement. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. In a few minutes, we'll look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. You may want to turn there uh, in your Bibles. Obedience is a life-changing principle, and we see this all throughout Scripture. First of all, in the Old Testament, for example, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 2, All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Again, in the Old Testament, we read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. We see in these two Old Testament passages that blessings and provisions belong to us from our Heavenly Father, if we obey. You know, there's nothing quite like an obedient child. Amen? Yeah. Uh, An obedient child is respectful, mindful, mindful of authority, and a joy to be around. And godly parents are aware that obedience must be a priority within their home. And then let's look at the New Testament, way in the back, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. Look at what it says here about obedience. We know that if we have come to know him, if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word... God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So in this passage, the Apostle John, known as the Apostle of Love and one of the closest friends of Jesus, is dealing with a misunderstanding that was taking place in the church at that time. This misunderstanding was the doctrine of grace and salvation. You see, false teachers were declaring that giving up a sinful life was optional for the believer. These teachers were stating that one can claim to know God in a saving relationship and at the same time be indifferent to God's commands and disobey him. In other words... You can have your cake, yeah, and eat it too. And John states, that can't be. In fact, to stress the point, he says, 
liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah. If you're following this kind of theology, John says, you are a liar. The idea to be justified through faith in Christ without a commitment to follow him in obedience is completely ludicrous. Do you agree? All right. If you don't agree, then I've got a big challenge ahead of me today, don't I? There is no greater claim anyone can make in knowing God, our Heavenly Father, than to obey him. There is no greater claim one can make in knowing God, our Heavenly Father, than to obey him. I am the son of Lee McGinnis. I have a relationship with my father as a result of obedience to him when I was a child. There can be no close relationship between a parent and a child without obedience. Amen? There can be no close relationship between a parent and a child without obedience. So parents... Your kids are supposed to obey. And when they don't, do we use this phrase anymore? This will hurt me more than it hurts you. (laughs) I don't think we do. You know why? Because we don't expect our kids to obey. And if we don't expect our kids to obey, then why should we? That's another message, though. Pastor Chad has been walking us through the book of Ephesians. Pastor Chad and Rhonda are away this week at a conference. They'll be back with us uh, next Sunday. And nothing can be more life-changing for you and me than a healthy diet of God's word verse by verse. And on this Sunday, February the 14th, Valentine's Day, guess where we're at in Ephesians chapter 5. The section where the Apostle Paul addresses wives and husbands. (sighs) Really, Pastor Chad? (laughs) Thanks for being gone today, man. Um, Do we really have to go there? Family matters. The family matters to God. He created it. He determined its structure. And in the beginning, God ordained marriage and the family unit as the first and most important institution on the earth. Before the state, before the church, God created. It was his idea. He created the home. And because of this, it is important that we look at what the Bible has to say about marriage And the different roles within the home. Now, uh, listen carefully. Our discussion today will talk more. We'll talk about marriage, but it will talk about other things as well. If if you're single or uh, so forth. Uh, Today's subject is not meant to be exclusive, but to challenge all of us to live in obedience to God and his word, and obedience, that applies to all of us, doesn't it? It's going to be a long few minutes here. Okay. (laughs) 
Again, family matters. The family matters to God. And we will look at what Ephesians chapter 5 has to say about marriage in just a moment. But let's go back to where we started today. To obey is better than sacrifice. I have literally files and files uh, on marriage in my office. I have books and books on my shelves about marriage. I have spent hours and hours with couples before and after marriage discussing what the Bible has to say about marriage. I could impress you today with my wealth of knowledge about marriage. (laughs) However, (laughs) most of what I know about marriage has come from 32 years of figuring it out at 3020 Wicklow Road. (laughs) And here's the point. You stay married forever because it takes forever to figure it out. (laughs) Seriously. All right, we got you woken up. Good. Here's the bottom line, and this is the truth. I have come to learn and realize this most important principle about marriage. Here it is. Marriage is not about you and your spouse. Marriage is all about your obedience to God and his word. Seriously. Marriage is not about you and your lovely bride. It's all about your obedience to God and his word. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey or not to obey. Now that's the question. And that is our assignment today. And there's this timeless story in 1 Samuel chapter 15 about a king named Saul. In fact, he was the first king of Israel. He was appointed and anointed by God to lead his chosen nation. Now, this story has nothing to do with marriage, but has everything to do with obedience and disobedience. So that's why... This topic today applies to all of us. In this story, Saul was given some instructions by God for him to follow. Now, these instructions were given to the judge of Israel. His name was Samuel. And then Samuel went to the king and said, King Saul, this is what God wants you to do. The word from God that Samuel was to share with Saul was unmistakably clear and direct. King Saul was to carry out God's plans. It was an open and shut case of divine extermination without options and without anyone's opinions. God had spoken and there was to be absolute obedience by the king. So, Let's look at the story for Samuel chapter 15, starting at verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels 
and donkeys. Okay, here's some perspective. The Amalekites have been the first to oppose God and his chosen nation, Israel, during this season of Israel's history. The Amalekites were evil. They were evil in every sense of the word. And in God's sovereignty, he decided that the Amalekites had to be utterly blotted out because of their sin and wickedness. It was better that even the children of the Amalekites die in infancy than live under their parents' corrupt, evil, and wicked influence. Let's jump down now uh, to verse 7 and continue our story. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all of his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So here's the question, class. Did Saul obey God? Very good. You're paying attention. No. Besides sparing the king, Saul and his troops also set aside the best of the enemy's animals while destroying those that were worthless and weak. You notice in verse 9, it says they were unwilling to destroy. Very simply, King Saul, God's anointed, God's appointed as the first king of Israel, willfully disobeyed God. Saul chose to ignore God's instructions. So in verse 11, enter Samuel. He comes back onto the scene. And we read that God had informed Samuel that Saul didn't do what God had asked him to do. And now Samuel had the wonderful privilege of confronting the king and sharing with the king God's displeasure of him. So pay attention uh, to this exchange. Uh, drop down to verse 12. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone out to Carmel. There he had set up a monument in his own honor. Really? <laughs> Sounds like the Academy Awards, doesn't it? <laughs> and has turned down and gone, has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Seriously? But Samuel said, well, what then is this? Bleeding of sheep in my ears. What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. A rather interesting confrontation, don't you think? Instead of admitting his obedience, Saul took three alternative routes. The first thing he did was Saul lied. 
He just blatantly lied. It states in verse 13 that he uh, did not carry out the Lord's, Saul states in verse 13 that he had carried out the Lord's instructions. So I guess it's okay for a king to tell a white lie. But then Samuel called him out on his lie. And I love the line. He said, Saul, so if you kill the animals, why do I hear sheep baaing and cows mooing? Kind of sounds like a parent and child exchange, doesn't it? <laughs> Secondly, Saul rationalized. Oh, but Samuel, they spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord. But we destroyed the rest. Notice how Saul uses they and we for his own good. It sounds like a teacher and student exchange, doesn't it? And then Saul passed the buck. Saul shifted the blame on his own soldiers. Sounds like a sibling to sibling exchange. And Saul was not impressed. I'm sorry, Samuel was not impressed. He stared at this powerful king, as well as King Agag, who should have been a corpse by now, and pointed his finger in Saul's face and said, I rebuke you, Saul, for your disobedience to the Lord. Look at verse 22 and listen to this rebuke. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. There it is. Tucked away in this story, this very interesting story, this incredible principle of obedience to obey is better than sacrifice. It's been said that we don't have a marriage crisis in the Christian community. We have a crisis of obedience. In Christian circles, we have convinced ourselves that obedience and sacrifice are equal. Look at all I do. Look at all I do for the church, for my family, for my friends, for the community. If disobedience creeps into my life, if, if, if I choose not to follow God completely, then my sacrificing will kind of uh, uh, cancel out my boo-boos, right? And that's what Saul thought. I mean, my goodness, they saved the best animals to provide a sacrifice to the Lord. But Saul chose to disobey. It doesn't work out the way we think it should work out. How often in our marriages and other relationships for that matter, have we taken the alternative route much like Saul? We've lied. We've rationalized we're so good at passing the buck. <laughs> so let's go to Ephesians 5. Let's jump out of the Old Testament. Let's jump back into Ephesians and see what the Apostle Paul tells us 
about marriage. Now, there's not enough time today for us to cover everything. I'm just going to skim the surface. However, I got some good news for you. If you're married, uh, we have the Love and Respect Weekend coming up March the 11th and the 12th, our Friday night and Saturday. I would encourage you, if you've never attended the Love and Respect Seminar, uh, to consider being a part of that weekend. I'm a big believer that every couple should do something every year or two to encourage and to uh, help their marriage. This is a great way to do it. You can sign up online or go to the event desk today as well. Parents, you may not be aware of this, but on Wednesday nights, we offer a class called 21st Century Parenting. Parents, man, do you know what the Bible has to say? about what your role is as a parent. We think we do, but we really don't. And so you'll learn this in this class. Ephesians chapter five, look at verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then drop down to verse 33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. What I'm about to share comes right from Scripture, all right? Challenging, but life-changing. Wives, wives are commanded in Scripture to honor their husbands with respect by relinquishing their lives to their husbands, to give their lives over to them, to let go and let him. Amen? <laughs> to obey is better than sacrifice. Will a husband fumble the ball at times as he learns to figure out his role in marriage? <laughs> you bet he will. However, it doesn't change the fact that wives are required, and I'm choosing these words on purpose, commanded and required by God to respect their husbands regardless. That's a key word there, regardless. <clears throat> Your marriage is not about you and your spouse. It's about your obedience to God and his word, period. Wives must carry themselves with dignity. And part of this is respecting their husbands, even if he is at times unworthy of respect. <laughs> we live in a culture that says you do not respect anyone until they've earned that respect. Sorry, but my dear bride, when you put the ring on the finger, you begin to respect, regardless. Okay, um, husbands. <laughs> husbands are commanded in Scripture. You know, marriage and money get so quiet in the room. <laughs> marriage and money <laughs> Uh, I'm going to let Pastor Chad take care of the money talk, okay? Uh, husbands are commanded in Scripture to treat their wives gently in an understanding and considerate way, being willing to serve them first 
so that they can truly live. To obey is better than sacrifice. I've shared this illustration before, but too many husbands treat their wives like a coffee mug instead of a delicate teacup and saucer. That's what that definition is referring to. Your wife is not a coffee mug. Your wife is a delicate vessel created by God for you to serve. Husbands are required to put aside daily their selfishness, their pride, their ego, their attitude, their guardedness, their... Did my wife put this in here? (laughs) Their grumpiness. And choose to live their lives for their wives. As husbands give up their lives for give up their lives for their wives, it's only natural then for their wife to submit or to relinquish her life to him. You see, it works. All we have to do is obey. It really does work. Mr. Husband, are you willing to love your wife enough to give up your life for her? You know, I, I asked this question in premarital counseling. And before I ask it, I say to the husband, now, if you don't say yes to this, we, we don't do a wedding. I kind of like, set him up a little bit, okay? Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, <laughs> are you willing to love your wife enough to give up your life for her? And then Mrs. Wife Are you willing to respect your husband enough to give your life to him? To obey or not to obey? That's the question. A Christian husband is required to love his wife regardless of her respect. And a Christian wife is called to respect her husband regardless of his love. That's a profound statement. The point is that we all have to come to grips with one question. And that one question is this. Do I or do I not believe what the Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, has to say about Christian marriage? Do I or do I not believe what the Bible has to say about my obedience to the Lord? Or do I succumb to my feelings, my feelings, my feelings, my thoughts, what my friends say, what my sister says, what the TV says about marriage? You see, there is a lack of love and respect in many Christian marriages because most couples see their differences as a roadblock instead of an opportunity. You get married, I mean, beautiful bride, white dress, big party, cake, honeymoon, and all of that. And I had this, I had the... I had this unrealistic idea (laughs) that just because I love Jesus, 
marriage would just kind of happen. I love Jesus. I love my wife. I didn't realize that you had to work at it. (laughs) And then you start having difficulties and problems. We see these differences as roadblocks instead of an opportunity. And the bottom line is, is we don't fight fair. The love and respect in their relationship goes out the window in the midst of an argument. So I've got a deal for you today. This is free. This won't cost anything extra, okay? Here's the deal. I'm going to share with you five ways on how to have a healthy argument. Okay? Is that good? Now, this works really well in marriage if you apply these five things, but these work well in other relationships as well. So listen carefully. You may want to jot these down. These are good. They really have helped me. Number one, here we go. How to have a healthy argument. Number one, never go to bed mad when you can stay up and fight. Seriously. I mean, seriously. Couples come to my office, been married years and years, and they just sweep stuff under the rug, and they want 20 minutes with me because they think we can get it all figured out. Uh Uh-uh. Doesn't happen that way. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, in your anger do not sin, Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. Hello. And do not give the devil a foothold. My bride of 32 years and I would suggest to every couple here that it is far better to get a little sleep and have the conflict resolved than to get eight hours of sleep and have the conflict unresolved. Right? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So duke it out before you go to bed. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. Secondly, don't avoid controversy. You can't. Don't pull the silent treatment. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. My bride of 32 years and I would suggest that someone needs to start talking. Been there, haven't you? (laughs) So who goes first? Somebody. And I'm just going to say this. Husbands, we love to brag that we are the leaders, that we're the initiators, that we're the ones that God says are the head of the relationship. So guess what, boys? Start talking. Start trying to figure out uh, what it's going to take to move your marriage forward instead of taking a step backwards. Use your words carefully. Seriously. Be more concerned about addressing the problem than attacking each other. Don't exaggerate. Don't use words like never or always. Watch your volume. Don't drag in others. And here's a novel thought. Apologize. (laughs) 
I've had wives tell me that they've never heard their husband say, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? I didn't understand that. I didn't realize that hurt you. Number three, how are we doing? Okay, it doesn't get any easier. Here we go. Number three, don't keep score. Seriously. Don't keep score. Proverbs eleven twelve. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. My bride of 32 years and I would suggest if you think you have won an argument, you both have lost. There are no winners in this game. There are no losers in this game, so to speak. Do not keep track of a mental uh, uh, scorecard in your head. I know. I know what you're thinking. I think we guys are really good at this. Well, you know what? She won that last one, but for crying out loud, I'm going to win this one. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And we keep the scorecard in our head, kind of like golfers. You know, you know what? She parred the last hole, but I'm going to birdie this one, okay? <laughs> you show your love and respect for each other when you stop demanding that your spouse become a modified version of your ideas, a revised edition of yourself. You see, we think the answer to marriage is for our spouse to agree with us all the time, to, to be just like us, to clean up like us, to yada, yada, yada. But that's not the goal of marriage. Number four. Number four is profound. Are you ready? <laughs> Listen. That's it. Listen. Proverbs eighteen thirteen. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. And for many years of my marriage, I was bringing a lot of folly and shame into our home because I did not listen. I loved to interrupt her. What? I loved to help her to see how wrong she was and how right I am. We do not listen well Because like the game of chess, we're planning our next move. And my dear wife, she's married to a pastor. (laughs) And so when she would begin to share her frustration, her hurt, her other things, you know, none of your business, um, I was working on my rebuttal. And because I'm a pastor and because I prepare sermons, my rebuttal included three points, an introduction, a conclusion, and an illustration thrown in there. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. And so while she's sharing with me how hurt she is, I'm not listening to the things she says because I'm ready. I'm ready to fire when, you know. Listen with your eyes. Listen with your heart. Listen with your soul. If you're not keeping score here, what do you have to lose except to grow and to become better in this journey 
of marriage. And as you truly listen, ask yourself, are you spending as much time trying to understand your mate's position as you do trying to make them understand yours? I mean, there was deliverance one evening in our home when I finally got that one. I've got nothing to prove here. I just want to understand my wife. I want to figure out what it means to love her as Christ loved the church. So, so I'm going to listen. I'm going to pay attention. And then do not make your spouse feel guilty for their feelings. I was so good at that. My bride of 32 years and I would suggest that you sit back and enjoy the ride. Conflicts in marriage should strengthen your relationship if you argue in a healthy way. I mean, think about it. Two different people <laughs> coming from two different worlds with different backgrounds, different personalities, a man and a woman becoming one, you bet there's going to be conflict. You bet there's going to be differences. So don't put up your dukes. Find out what it means to understand and to love and to respect. There was a dear couple that I used to visit for years. They were shut-ins. He had had a stroke, and uh, she was taking care of him until he passed away. They were probably in their 80s, and they had been married just over 60 years when I began to visit them in their home. And uh, I loved visiting with them and great stories, and I just appreciated uh, the, their, their, the, the journey of their marriage. And so I asked them, I asked them one day, I said, Ray and Helen, have you ever had any fights? <laughs> They looked at each other, and they looked at me, and then dear Helen said, we've never raised our voices, but we've had words. <laughs> you bet they have. Number five, pray for and with one another. Seriously, Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Listen, no pressure. My wife and I don't take hands every day and pray. But I tell you what, my wife and I of 32 years would suggest to you that after a good argument, take hands and pray. Does your spouse know? that you are praying for them. Let them know. And then pray for your spouse each and every day. First Samuel 15, a great story. I mean, you have to admit, King Saul and Samuel. But there's one verse left in this story that I really did not want to read today. In fact, God and I had an arm wrestling match this week over it. He won. <laughs> you see, I want you to like me. <laughs> I don't want to throw out these challenging jabs. But it's right here. 
And I think it would be helpful if we're going to move forward in our obedience to God, in our marriages, in our relationships, and just in our walk with the Lord, that we need to understand how seriously God takes this obedience stuff. So, Samuel is dialoguing with, with Saul. And he says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And then in verse 23, he says this. He says, for rebellion, disobedience is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of adultery, idolatry. You see, the sin of divination is seeking to manipulate events, people, or the future by consulting the spirits of the dead. It's an occultic activity. (coughs) Rebellion against God and refusing to accept and obey his word are like that kind of sin. Yikes. So like Saul... When we willfully choose to disobey, we've got our hands involved in witchcraft. So again, God takes this obedience thing pretty seriously, especially as it relates to my role as a husband. Your role as a husband and your role as wives. When we disobey, it is rejection of God's lordship and an attempt to make things work out for our own way. And so that's the dilemma. That's the challenge. God is calling his church on this Valentine's Day, 2016, to do more than just walk the talk, but to live the talk by living lives of obedience. Our focus today certainly was on the importance of obedience as it relates to marriage, but in the big picture, we must ask ourselves the question, are we truly living lives of obedience to God and his word? Our our obedience to God and his word will influence not just our family, but our entire lives. Would you bow your heads with me today? And before we leave, can I just challenge you with a few questions as I've been challenging myself all week? What areas of your life are you willingly living and disobedience. There's one thing to be disobedient because you are unaware of your disobedience, but it's another thing to willfully disobey God and his word. Are you willing to obey? In the quietness of this moment, I'm going to ask that you allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you. And then I'm asking you to make a commitment in your heart to choose to be a person of obedience. The first act of obedience 
that all of us must take as followers of Christ is to choose him as our Lord and Savior. And so in this very room today, if you're not a follower of Christ and you sense in your heart that God is speaking to you and challenging you to choose him today, I'm going to ask, and we will not embarrass, but if that is you, would you raise your hand? Anyone here today, you say, I want to obey Christ and follow him, first of all, as Savior and Lord of my life. Anyone? Any hands up, please? Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, would you please stand with me today? Would you bow your heads again and let's pray. God, thank you for this Valentine's Day. greatest love ever shown was when you went to the cross and you died for our sins and so God it's, it's, it should be easy for us to obey but we admit that we allow our selfishness, our own desires to get in the way and so Lord I pray today that as a result of looking at 1 Samuel 15 and Ephesians 5, that you would raise up husbands and wives who will choose to obey you and follow after you and to be the biblical husband and wife that you've called them to be. I also pray, God, that in this very room today that you'd raise up the church, raise up the church to be a church that will live and walk in obedience, God. Lord, may we live lives that are listening to your voice and to your spirit so that when we disobey we are reminded by the stillness of your presence and I pray God that when that happens you would help us to be quick to respond seek forgiveness and then move forward in our lives of obedience so God thank you for your faithfulness in our lives you are compassionate merciful God we bless you today and now Lord we pray that you would go with us that you'd be glorified in our lives as we obey you in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen